This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. It is a new episode and guys, this one is heavy, okay? Trigger warning, at the beginning of the episode, the story I'm going to share today involves, it's just a sticky, rough romance from history. I'm going to obviously, you know, talk a little bit in the beginning, but just later on in the episode, just letting you know, we're going to be talking about the true story of Priscilla and Elvis Presley. And guys, I thought I knew the story. I really did, but I truly did not. There is so much involved. It's so toxic and so horrible, but it gives you a lot of food for thought, especially if you find yourself in relationships where you just give, give, give. You set yourself on fire to keep someone else warm and you wonder why the heck you do that. Like, why do I obsess over someone who you know, doesn't even like me or doesn't seem to be returning the affection that I'm giving them. Like things like that. If you struggle with that, this story is really helpful. Like I find it helpful because I personally feel like I'm like that in relationships, but I will say it's dark. It is a dark story. So just FYI. But anyway, before we get into that, before we get into the true story, the true love story slash what the heck, what the heck happened? Why did her parents let her do that story? Later in the episode, we're just going to, I'm just going to recap some stuff that happened this week. So remember last week when I recorded an episode and was like, guys, I celebrated a birthday and I didn't wish for anything on my birthday candles and every other year in the past, I've always wished for a boyfriend. Remember that conversation that we had? And I was like, so proud of myself for moving on and like, you know, valuing other things. Well, okay. That, that hasn't exactly like entirely changed, but what I'm about to talk about might leave some of you who are coming from that episode feeling very puzzled. Okay. Because I'm at it again. Okay. I'm back on my bullshit of talking about love and relationships and my own frustrations with the ones that I'm in or not in or kind of in or whatever the heck is going on. And honestly, I think this is a valid conversation. I'm not going to apologize for talking about this because it is something that is been just stuck in my mind, despite the fact that I, guys, I'm doing the coolest things right now. Like I am leading this amazing project this week for a freelance client. It's going to be, I can't share anything really yet, but it's so, so cool. And I'm really going out of my comfort zone with it. And I'm so excited to do this and like excited to dip my toe in the world of production a bit more than I have in the past. So I guess put my ankle in there. I don't know. So I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of cool stuff and yet this, this thing is bugging me. Okay. So it all started with a book that I read this week or I finished this week. I started this book like a month ago and I've been savoring it because it's my book club book. So each month, a bunch of girls in the city, I wouldn't say they're my closest friends. It's like a bunch, like a hodgepodge of like the readers in the friend groups, like a bunch of friend groups collided with just like the girls who read because let's face it, not every, you know, whatever Gen Z millennial, I guess we're millennial, young millennial girl, like in her mid twenties, like not every mid twenties, New York city 
gal reads books and that's fine, but I do. So I joined this book club and the book that we're reading this month, I'm not going to share the name of it because I'm going to share a bit of the plot. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to read this. It's like a small sliver of it, but still. So the gist of the ending of this book, I just finished it two days ago, I guess now, maybe it was, yeah, two days ago. So the main character in the book, she has this choice to make. And we kind of figure out that she has this choice to make early on in the book, but at the end, it's like the choice has to be made, if that makes sense. Like, does she stay with her husband, the father of her children, a tall, handsome, sweet guy who loves her and she loves him back, but someone who does not know her somewhat checkered past, something that happened in her past that was traumatic that she just can't bring herself to share with this husband, despite the fact that he would probably totally accept her for it. He, she just can't bring herself to share it, you know, or, okay. So does she stay with that guy or does she choose her lover, a guy that she's known her whole life, but did not marry someone that, you know, knows her past who she also loves and has like this passionate sex life with secretively. Like there's these two guys, like her husband is great on paper and she does love him. She enjoys him. She Just there's no indication that she's not happy with him, but could she be happier with this other guy that she can share her past with? So it's a super huge predicament. Like, what does she do? So there's, you know, she's sharing this like massive secret with this guy that she can't share with her husband and she's hooking up with him and her husband doesn't know. It's like a very messy, messy book. But so she has this choice to make. She loves both men, but she can't be with both of them at the same time, obviously. And it's clear that she loves each of them in different ways. One of them loves her for who she was and is now. And the other person loves the, the version of her that she is now because she cannot share who she was, you know? And it's it's kind of like this age-old dilemma in romance novels. And you get like kind of frustrated with her for not just, you know, telling her perfect husband, the father of her children, the life she is now, like not just sharing with him. I understand obviously sharing your trauma is very hard, but it just, as a reader, it makes you feel frustrated. Like, why doesn't she just tell him? Like, he's going to understand, like knowing him from the book, like he will understand. So why does she keep running back to this past lover who has his own family? Like they've moved on. Why are they, you know? so. You know, at the end of the novel, we're kind of left with this open ending and it just is not clear by the end which one she chooses. Like the last page I had to have read 170 times because I could not figure out from the ending like who she chose. I couldn't figure it out. And I immediately finished the book. I sprinted to any book blog like, okay, I didn't run, but I like opened my phone up right away and started going on any book blog I could find that would clarify the ending. I was like, which one did she choose? I was perplexed by the openness of the ending. I mean, people online have their theories about who she chose. And there's like certain lines of the book that like, or of the last page, it's literally like the last page that that really needs to be deciphered and figured out. And people have their theories. It's really, it's honestly a very clever ending because obviously it's going to spark a lot of conversation and I'm excited for my book club meeting, but it literally, it just, it made me so upset. 
because I could not figure it out. I was laying in bed after finishing this book. It was like way too late. I needed to go to bed. I had a really busy day the next day. And I'm laying there in bed, just like trying to process the ending and figure out who she chose. And I also, you know, I was thinking to myself about who I would choose or like who I wanted her to choose. And I I laid in bed thinking about how much I hoped, I hope that she chose her husband. You know, she loves the other guy and he knows her entire past and who she really is, but her husband is really great too. It's, it's her future. She has kids, like a whole stable, happy, fun life that she made with this person. And in that moment, I hated her. And then I hated myself. Like when I was considering the fact that she might've chosen the other guy, the guy that isn't her husband, you know, I hated her for a second. I was like mad at her, disappointed in her, but then I was mad at myself for being disappointed in her because I, you know, I hated her for finding this perfect life and not being satisfied with it. And then it hit me, guys, I was jealous. I was jealous. That was out of jealousy. I was jealous of this fictional person, someone who legitimately does not exist. I hated this fictional person because she has what I want. I literally know her past from reading the book, you know, and it's one of those things where she really takes you through every year of her life kind of thing. You learn a lot about this, this main character. So from reading the book, like I know her past and, you know, taking my jealousy, my own jealousy out of the picture, perhaps, you know, she is guys supposed to be with the other guy. That's why I felt kind of bad that I was, you know, mad at her because I'm like, maybe she is supposed to be with the other guy. That one from her past, the one that would complicate things for her, but ultimately she deserves to be happy with someone that does know her past, knows her desires, knows her traumas and loves her anyway. This story legitimately has nothing to do with me and yet it made my blood boil. And I think it's because I want what most of us out here battling the dating world wants. I want something that makes sense, something that isn't confusing. And It causes me to literally be jealous of fictional characters that have that and yet don't want it because their past is revisiting them, et cetera. Like, I just want something that makes sense, you know? And I've been dealing with this situation recently where I I kind of, I know damn well, okay, I know what is going on, though I choose to ignore it. I justify things for this person. I convince myself that I need to calm down and stop overanalyzing and stop just putting unfair expectations on this person. I was at the gym this morning with my trainer. Literally, like we have an hour long session. I probably talked about this situation ship that I'm in for like 30 minutes of the hour, just like going on and on. She's like literally my therapist these days because exercise has really been therapeutic to me. And like she, we like both talk to each other about our problems. It's like one of those things. We were really good for each other because up until I think like seven months ago, we didn't know each other. So it's like, we're very unbiased. It's very good. It's a good situation. But I was like angry at myself after I'd left. I'm like, why did I talk about that for so long? I'm like, this, I need to just get, this needs to go because clearly I've, I've preached for so long that if it's confusing, like it shouldn't be that confusing guys. Like if it is meant to be, if a relationship or like a friendship or anything is meant to be, it's not going to be this confusing to the point where you have to talk about it all the time and you get angry at yourself for trying to like decipher this, this riddle. It's like, it shouldn't be a riddle that you have to decipher. 
and I can hear my own voice in my head all the time confirming that what I'm dealing with romantically right now is just not what I want. I want more. I want something that I don't have to question, something where I don't have to wonder what the hell is going on, something that isn't so hot and cold. And yet I grip grip onto whatever this is so tightly, hoping that someday it'll just be clear. The smoke will clear and I will understand and I will realize that I was being paranoid this whole whole time and it was something far more beautiful than I could ever imagine. And I was just inventing this issue where there was no issue. And it'll lean into the direction that I want it to go. And I don't have to wonder how this person feels about me. It'll just be so clear. But so far, where I'm sitting right now, things are very muddy. I don't know what is going on. And that's frustrating. So I read this quote on Estee Lalonde's Instagram today. She's this YouTuber that I love so much. There was this quote. It was just like seven, how many? Six, seven, eight, nine words of pure wisdom or just like so, so good. And this quote said, I was light and he was just there. I have never, guys, been able to sum up the dating experiences where I have felt my energy was just not matched in a better way than this. Like this is such a simple but such a powerful line. I was light and he was just there. It's not I was too much and he couldn't handle me. It is I am light. I am honest, bright, glaring truth. And he is just existing, blinded by my light, maybe. You know, it's a better way of looking at things. I guess if you consider light to be a good thing, which I do. (laughs) And it really, when I was thinking about this, processing my own situation and this book and all sorts of things, I was reminded of the story of Elvis and Priscilla Presley. I knew little hints of the story. I didn't know what was myth and what was fact. But once I did some digging, I was blown away. Like this correlates way more than I thought it did with what I'm going through right now. Obviously, it's a much more extreme situation, but we'll get into it. Like if you guys don't know this story, buckle up. So let's take it from the beginning. Priscilla Presley was born Priscilla Ann Wagner on May 24th, 1945 in Brooklyn, New York. So not too far from where I'm sitting right now. James Wagner, Priscilla's dad, was a U.S. Navy pilot who was tragically killed in a plane crash when she was just a few months old. So her mother, Anne, remarried a few years later to an Air Force officer. And because of this, Priscilla and the family moved several times and was stationed in Germany when she was a teenager. And it was there when she was just 14 years old when Priscilla met Elvis Presley. So in Germany, 14-year-old Priscilla would hang out at this place called the Eagles Club. And from what I found online, it was a happening place, you know, for eating and entertainment. But according to Priscilla, she would go solely to listen to the jukebox, number one, and write letters to her friends. And one can probably assume by hearing this that she probably, you know, felt pretty lonely being so far away from home. So one day when Priscilla was sitting in the Eagles Club, she was wearing a white and navy sailor dress. This man who looked somewhere in his mid-twenties, approached Priscilla. His name was Curry Grant, and he asked Priscilla randomly, this random person he didn't know, how would you like to meet Elvis Presley? My wife and I are good friends of his. And at this time, Elvis was stationed in Germany. He was serving in the U.S. 
army from March 1958 to March 1960. And I had no idea that Elvis served in the military. Like this was news to me. It could be like a well-known fact, but I truly did not know that he served in the military, even for just two years. And apparently at the time of his enlistment, he was the most well-known name in the world of entertainment. So I guess they made no exceptions for this, you know, the, the, the army, which I understand because obviously like he shouldn't get special treatment. But anyway, Elvis lived off base at the time. And on the evening of Sunday, September 13th, 1959, Curry Grant, his wife and Priscilla drove 40 minutes to get to Elvis's house. And when they got there, Priscilla didn't speak very much because she was very nervous to meet Elvis. I mean, she was only 14 at the time for crying out loud. But when she met Elvis, he apparently took a liking to her right away. He was trying to impress her with all these songs and he would play for her and sing to her. But quick pause. This is a very cringe situation considering she was 14. He was 24, obviously illegal in today's times. I'm not sure when these terms became a legal thing, but like really cringy. Okay. And like Times were different, maybe, but still, I'm 100% not justifying how insanely creepy this was of him. But anyway, okay, after they first met, Priscilla became infatuated by Elvis. And for several months, they spent time together, seemingly kind of as a couple, though Elvis thought she was too young for him. But still, they were inseparable. And he reportedly told his friend Rex Mansfield that Priscilla was, quote, Young enough that I can train her any way I want, which is so cringy and horrible. So bad. But anyway, so she was classically, I mean, as a young teenager, like infatuated by him, like obsessed with this older guy that was famous. And, you know, she loved him, I guess. And so after Priscilla had been on four, quote, dates with Elvis, her parents insisted on an in-person meeting to verify his intentions, which okay, it's about time. Like she's 14 years old and Priscilla's stepfather and mother are finally asking for this meeting. So when they got together with Elvis, they asked him why he was interested in their teenage daughter. And Elvis responded, well, sir, I happen to be very fond of her. She's a lot more mature than her age and I enjoy her company. That is verbatim what he said. Anyway, so Elvis eventually was discharged and had to return to America. So his only contact with Priscilla was over the phone and by mail. She would write to him and seal her notes in pink envelopes. And get this, the reason for the pink envelopes was so he could find them in his mountains of fan mail. So he returned to the States and Priscilla stayed behind in Germany with her parents, but she still maintained the hope that they would be together someday. And guys, get this, like literally days, within days of Elvis's return, like not even months, not weeks, within days of his return, like he had barely stepped foot on American soil. There were already reports in the tabloids that he was dating Nancy Sinatra, who is Frank Sinatra's daughter, if you guys know, she's saying, um, these boots are made for walking, if you guys know that song. But anyway, like there were reports. I'm sure Priscilla was eagerly just, you know, reading the news, trying to figure out like what he was up to. And she was definitely gutted over this. Like imagine, but oh, so very classically, three weeks after the news broke, Elvis called Priscilla. He told her what we've heard guys in romance plots, like time and time again, he was like, I love you. You're the only girl for me. Like, 
there's nothing to worry about. This is all just, you know, just talk, whatever. But she had no idea what to believe. So over the next two years, Priscilla got used to hearing all of these rumors about Elvis and he continued to deny them when he could. Sometimes he had no no ability to deny them because there were photos. She loved him through it all. And he always kept a special place in his heart for her through it all. But it appears that his heart had spaces for a lot of women at the time. During their many phone conversations, Elvis would tell her things about his career and even details about his relationship with a woman named Anita Wood, who is a performer and recording artist who he was with on and off for years. And apparently it was common knowledge to Anita, the woman he was like openly dating, that he dated other women as well. Elvis told her that his manager, it was his manager's fault, obviously his manager just didn't want his fans to associate him with only one woman, which honestly I've heard before, like, a lot of celebrities will keep their relationships under wraps, like super private. So fans will still think they have a, like a chance with the guy or girl that they're obsessed with. Like I've heard that before, but it's still so messed up. So Anita, so the woman that he was dating like seriously, I guess, or remotely seriously while well, he was still talking to Priscilla in Germany and still hooking up with other co-stars and whatever, she Anita later said this about Elvis. She said, in early 1962, I was coming down the back stairs into the kitchen and I heard Elvis say, I'm just having the hardest time making up my mind between the two. I knew exactly what he was talking about and I had a lot of pride. So I just marched my little self right down the stairs and Elvis took me into the dining room and his dad was sitting at the table. And we sat down at the table and I said, I'm going to make that decision for you. I heard what you said and I'm leaving. And I remember that I started crying. It was a very difficult decision to make. I must say that was probably the most difficult decision that I've ever made in my life. I have to say that. After having dated someone like Elvis for five years and as close as we were for this to end, and when I left, I knew there would be no going back. I said, I'm leaving. And I called Andy, my brother, to come pick me up. And we sat there and talked a bit longer, but nobody could eat. So at this point, it had been several months without contact in terms of Elvis contacting Priscilla. It was March of 1962. So literally, guys, right after Anita made that tough decision to leave, like it must have been right after because she had said in the quote that in early 1962, she pulled the plug. But then in March of 1962, Elvis decided to call Priscilla. So literally right after Anita made the decision, Elvis was like, let me call up my side chick or whoever, like my let me call her every few months for two years chick, which honestly, guys, this is pretty relatable. Like I have guys from college that I once like had history with and honestly, maybe maybe sometimes I think about guys from like years ago as well and we'll text them sometimes when I'm home in Maryland or whatever. Like it's not just them. It's like, you know, it's it's a, a common thing to like re reflect on your past and think about what was what was good in past times and whatever and want to revisit that. So anyway, it's pretty classic. Like he got dumped and then decided to call up a woman from his past. So he called Priscilla with a bold, a bold invitation. He invited her to come see him in LA. This is after like two years of not seeing each other. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> she was like, I'd love to come, but you have to convince my stepdad to let me go. 
and he accepted the challenge. Elvis spoke with her stepfather several times and eventually won him over by agreeing to a lengthy list of rules. And here are the rules. So the two-week-long vacation, only two weeks, would not take place until Priscilla was out of school for the summer, number one. Number two, Elvis would send her a first-class round-trip ticket. Number three, he would be given a detailed itinerary. He is in the dad, the stepdad of her daily activities in LA. Number four, she would be chaperoned everywhere she went. Number five, she would write to her parents every single day. And number six, at night, she would stay with his friends, George and Shirley Barris, not Elvis himself. So that was the list. The parents were charmed because Elvis was that kind of guy, a charming guy. He agreed to all of their stipulations. And with that, Priscilla arrived in LA that June. And following a visit to Elvis's house on Bellagio Road, she did stay at the house where she was supposed to stay with the friends, George and Shirley, for one night. (laughs) But then the next afternoon, Elvis told Priscilla that he had planned a special trip to Vegas. And just after midnight, she was packing her bags and riding in his luxury motorhome on the way to Nevada. And when I read this, I was like, this would not fly with my parents. I knew that she had to have come up with some sneaky plan to keep them out of the know, I guess. So Priscilla was, she was devious. She decided to pre-write. So she wrote in advance a week's worth of letters to her family. And she asked Elvis's butler to mail them from Los Angeles so they would think that she was there the whole time. So Elvis and Priscilla went to the Sahara Hotel and Casino in Vegas, where Elvis and Priscilla obviously shared a suite. And because we're all thinking it, okay, apparently they did not have sex while sleeping in the same room in Vegas, which I find shocking. But in the book, Elvis and Me, written by Priscilla, She shared that she remained a virgin until they were married when she was 21. So spoiler alert, obviously they get married. We know that (laughs) she is the same last name. But anyway, she apparently remained a virgin. And apparently also it was against what she wanted. Like she wanted to have sex with him sooner, but Elvis was against it because she was so young. But like, I'm still not like putting him on a pedestal because like half the stuff that he did was so creepy and weird. But anyway. She was still a virgin until she was 21. Okay, back to the whole jetting off to Vegas thing. Like such a classic rebellious teenage daughter move. Like she was 17 years old at the time. 17 years old with this older, like older man that was famous and like this rock star of a guy. And, you know, so he obviously took her around, took her on the town. She went shopping, like he went shopping with her. He chose the clothes that she should wear. And with the help of a hairstylist, he actually also totally remade her entire look. He told her how to style her hair and how to apply this heavier makeup that he liked on girls. And he, Elvis completely transformed Priscilla. And it's, it just, I mean, it makes my heart kind of sink reading that because like she was this, this very different girl. And then he took hold of her and molded her like clay, basically. And she was obsessed with him. So when Priscilla went back to Germany, she still had something to look forward to, though, during the next six months that she was there. Christmas at Graceland, which was Elvis's estate in Tennessee, in Memphis. So Elvis had invited her to be back there soon. And, you know, she had to go back with her parents for six months and then she would visit him in Tennessee. And once again, she had to persuade her parents to let her go. But 
with a kicker, with a huge piece of information. So Elvis had decided that Priscilla should, you know, finish school in Tennessee. And that was happening. Like he was like, you are finishing school here with me in Tennessee. And he promised that once again, she would not live with him. She wouldn't be with him at Graceland, but with his father, Vernon, and his wife in their house nearby. So she would be, you know, with them, not with him. She would be enrolled in the very best Catholic school where he would ensure, Elvis would ensure that she would graduate and she would be cared for and chaperoned everywhere and all would be well and nothing would be creepy. And I'm honestly so freaking shook that her parents bought this idea and like said yes to him. Like I'm thinking about my parents. They never would. I guess times again, we're different, but like what the heck? And I guess he's also a famous guy, but still this is just, it's insane to me. I think they really thought that he was going to marry her and that all would be well. And he ended up marrying her, but I just can't believe like that they would say yes to this, but whatever. So her stepfather ended up going with Priscilla to Graceland when she flew back over and he was there to kind of scope things out. And obviously Elvis, you know, put on his best moves to charm the dad, like took him around all the best places and like convinced the dad that, you know, Priscilla was in good hands with him. And so once her father had returned to Germany, however, Priscilla seemed super uncomfortable living with, you know, (laughs) Elvis's dad and you know, his wife. Like it just felt a little bit funny for her, I guess. And soon she was spending more and more time with Elvis's grandmother who resided at Graceland. And she often seemed extremely lonely waiting for Elvis to return from filming all of his movies. And this just absolutely breaks my heart. So Elvis's love interest in one of the films that he was shooting at this time was a woman that Hollywood called the female Elvis. And her name was Anne Margaret. And she went on to become the most memorable of Elvis's leading ladies in the film sphere during his Hollywood career. And they apparently were instantly attracted to each other upon meeting on set and a relationship allegedly developed. And of course, this crushed Priscilla, who was literally in Tennessee, away from her family for him. She would try to call Elvis to visit the set, but each time he would delay it, he would put her off and deny the rumors, and Priscilla just could not take it anymore, but Elvis would threaten to have her go back to live with her parents if she lashed out, and you know she still loved him, but she was frustrated, and eventually one day she literally threw a vase at the wall because she was so upset about this, understandably. So after the vase incident, Priscilla cooled down, And apparently the two, apparently they laughed it off, which is so crazy. So Elvis at this point had decided that Priscilla was the girl he wanted to marry, or at least like it would look good in the press and like she was a beautiful woman and like it would just work. I don't know what exactly was going through his head. I think his manager also may have brought up that it was a good idea. Who the heck knows? But shortly before Christmas 1966, Elvis went down on one knee one evening in their bedroom at Graceland and proposed to Priscilla. And then he slipped on a three and a half carat diamond that was encircled by 20 smaller detachable diamonds onto her finger. And this is what a newspaper clipping said of their marriage. So this is their actual wedding day, which was pretty soon after. The pair arrived by private jet aircraft in the middle of the night, picked up a marriage license at half past three in the morning, married in a hotel suite, and met the press for breakfast. 
this is a chaotic sentence. So the ceremony apparently took just 10 minutes. They were really in a hurry, I guess. And then a press conference was held immediately afterward, followed by a breakfast reception for 100 guests, including many members of the press. And after a couple of days, they you know spent their days honeymooning in Palm Springs, but then they returned to Memphis, Tennessee, where on May 29th, they put on their wedding outfits again and threw a huge reception at Graceland for all their relatives, friends, employees, and also some lucky fans. Imagine being an Elvis fan and going to his like wedding reception. Like, I just can't imagine like if Taylor Swift invited me to her wedding reception, I think I would just, I would, I don't know what would happen to me. I would pass away right there. Anyway, so two months later after the wedding, Elvis announced on set at one of his movies that Priscilla, his wife, was pregnant with their daughter and they would go on to name her Lisa Marie. And this is the craziest part of this story, guys, the most revolting part of this story. If you weren't already so turned off by the crazy, I don't, I don't want to say age difference because I think 10 years, yes, it's kind of a crazy age gap, but I think the fact that she was so young was the most revolting part of the age difference between them. Anyway, if you're not super turned off by that, you're really going to be turned off by this. So after she had gone through childbirth, literally gone through nine months and popping a kid out, Elvis would not sleep with Priscilla. I'm just going to let that sink in. Like she literally carried his child, went through years of putting up with his infidelity, and he decided that once she became a mother, he didn't want to sleep with her anymore. And he told her initially that he wanted her to have time to recover, but as Priscilla later wrote, quote, he had mentioned before we were married that he had never been able to make love to a woman who'd had a child. So as he'd done before, Elvis went back to sleeping with other women. But Priscilla also, she decided that she had had enough. She still loved him, but she was like, I can't do this anymore. So she had a short-lived relationship with the owner of a dance school at this time. So essentially both of them were sleeping with other people at this point, but they somehow, despite this, decided to renew their vows in Hawaii. I don't know what happened with that, but it was, you know, all a lie. He continued his ways and she went on to have another affair with a karate instructor. And honestly, I would too, if my husband was notoriously like not sleeping with me because I had a baby, I would, oh my God, he'd be gone like that. I would be like, let's move on. See ya. She later said to People Magazine in 1978, my life was his life. My problems were secondary. In 1972, she told Elvis that she was leaving him. When he found out about her affair, it is said that he wanted to hire a hitman to kill her partner, but he was convinced not to. I'm unsure how true this is, but if it is true, it shows what kind of guy he was. Like, okay. You know, he wanted to mess around and he was okay to do that. But as soon as she wanted to, it was totally criminal, like have to kill the guy. Crazy. So their divorce was finalized on October 9th, 1973. And for the sake of their daughter, Lisa Marie, it was a super amicable one. They also remained friends and co-parented Lisa Marie, seeing each other all the time. They were even spotted holding hands when they left the courthouse on the day of their divorce. So she later said, I did not divorce him because I didn't love him. He was the love of my life, but I had to find out about the world, which makes perfect sense. She was still so young at this point, a young mom. So when Elvis died of a heart attack in 1977, some speculate it was due to his addiction to prescription drugs. He was really addicted to drugs at this point. 
but it's never been confirmed exactly what killed Elvis. It's just said that it was a heart attack, but people have their assumptions anyway. But when she found out, when Priscilla found out, she was absolutely gutted. She, you know, she said she wanted to die in her memoir. And despite it all, Priscilla still to this day, guys, works hard to preserve the memory and legacy of Elvis. So, okay, back to the 70s though. So Elvis at this point still alive, he was engaged to another woman at the time of his death. He had also just gotten dumped by another one, Linda Thompson, and his new fiance, her name was Ginger Alden. So Elvis was 21 years Ginger's senior. So I suppose he had a type, but then again, so did and do many people in Hollywood. So I don't want to focus on Elvis anymore though at this point, because truthfully he pisses me off. Like so much is wrong in this story. He did have an addiction and that is really tragic and horrible and obviously does things to you, but that is no excuse for mistreating women the way he had his whole life. So I want to focus on Priscilla. She was wrapped up in a situation that many of us find ourselves in to some degree, staying with people who are wrong for us out of love, out of desperation, out of the desire to just make things work. And it took bravery for her to get herself out of that marriage because it seems that Elvis was willing to stay in it, you know, forever since he was able to do whatever he wanted while he was in it. Like it was also good for publicity too. That might've been why they renewed their vows in Hawaii. Like, I don't know, but she finally figured it out. She couldn't make excuses for him any longer. She needed to find out what the world was without him. Like she needed to find something real. And once she stepped out of the blinding lights that was Elvis and his career, his crazed fans, his reputation, she was able to find herself. After the divorce, Priscilla started a clothing boutique in LA. She said, after the separation, I had to make up my mind about what I wanted to do. And the boutique that she opened with her stylist was a massive success. And she went on to have many famous clients. So at this point, you know, she was exploring the things that she loved. She loved fashion. She was exploring that. And Elvis was doing his thing that they're both co-parenting their child and all seemed to be fine and dandy until Elvis died in 1977. So this is when things got interesting. So Priscilla acted as a guarantor for her daughter, Lisa Marie, because she was the sole heir since Elvis was unmarried at the time. He was engaged, but not married. And Lisa Marie was left everything basically. She was just too young at the time though to deal with any of it. And because Graceland, the estate in Tennessee, took so much money to upkeep, Priscilla was the one that had to make a huge decision whether to sell or keep Graceland, which was everything to Elvis. But she couldn't afford to keep it running without additional revenue streams helping her out. So she was, you know, she was very savvy. She did the most smart thing ever. She examined other famous homes and museums, figured out how they kept running, and she ended up hiring a CEO to turn Graceland into a tourist attraction. And it was open to the public on June 7th, 1982. And just four weeks after opening the doors, the estate made back all of the money that it had invested. (laughs) Like, that's amazing. They made back all of the money they invested. It's like a huge success for them because Priscilla went on to become the chairwoman and president of the Elvis Presley Enterprises. And because of her, the trust grew to be worth over $100 million. So she did wonders and it still does to preserve Elvis's memory. Despite the fact that he backstabbed her so many times, she decided she was like, I, you know, I love this man even still, which 
obviously you can't control how you feel about someone that hurts you. It's like one of those things where sometimes you still love them, even though they hurt you. But she decided to make good with it. She decided to do what she thought was right for her daughter and for herself because eventually she she began dating an entrepreneur and film director named Marco Garibaldi. They met in 1984 after a mutual friend recommended him as a screenwriter for one of her projects or something. And the pair were married for 22 years, having one son together before splitting in 2006. So after Elvis, Priscilla was able to explore her passions. She was able to show off her business savvy side. You know, she opened that boutique. She was able to make all that money for the Elvis Presley enterprises. She remarried and was dipping her toe in like the entrepreneurship side of her. She was figuring out who she really was, but you know, she also took that high road and still honored Elvis after his death. She still speaks so highly of him. And I feel so many people don't know the true story of what happened. And there's so much more that I didn't even share, like so many more details and a lot of stuff that's just so, so unbelievable. But this is just, the, you know, the top line story of Priscilla and, and Elvis and how they met and how relatable their story was and how so many of us can relate to bits and pieces of this tale of how Elvis blinded Priscilla and just she was so in love with him despite the fact that he made her feel sad a lot of the time and despite the fact that she was so confused about him. She didn't know what to believe. She didn't know if he really loved her or the idea of her or the fact that she was this moldable creature that could be anything he wanted to be like she must have been so confused like majority of the time she was with Elvis and that it really gives me a lot to think about thinking about her situation and my current situation that obviously pales in comparison to hers but it's still like there's some similarities with me feeling confused in in what I'm in and I feel like if you find the right person you're not going to be that confused you're not going to have to worry or wonder about what they're doing it's you know there's little road bumps road bumps, speed bumps, roadblocks. I think I just combined two, two sayings, but whatever. Obviously there's going to be moments of, of wonder and having to have conversations about things that don't go right or don't go smoothly rather. But for the most part, you shouldn't be this confused if it's something that's real. And it's really inspiring to me to see how Priscilla has went on with her life. You know, she could have let this situation, she could have let Elvis burn her out and ruin her. And she didn't. She didn't. She's still carrying on to this day. And honestly, it's just so inspiring that she was able to get herself out of that dark place where she was so confused. She was able to explore her passion. She was able to figure out who she really was. And that is so inspiring to me. Like she knew when she had taken a wrong turn or when I guess when enough was enough, so to speak, like she knew when enough was enough and she got herself out of that. And that's really inspiring to me. So anyway, I want to reiterate what I said earlier, though, because this is, you know, the parallels here. It's just so relatable. Like I can hear my own voice in my head sometimes. And I'm sure Priscilla heard her own voice in her head, like confirming that what she was dealing with just, you know, and what I'm dealing with romantically half the time is not what I want. I want more. I want something I don't have to question, something where I don't have to wonder what the hell is going on. And yet I grip onto whatever this is so tightly hoping one day it will just be clear. And I don't want to have to wonder, okay, how someone feels about me. And right now I'm doing a whole lot of wondering. But anyway, this story, hopefully my just like super raw, real ramblings 
has been good food for thought. If you're going through something similar or someone you know is, I'm going to say it one last time. I was light and he was just there. The end. (laughs) That is it for my episode, guys. I hope you all enjoyed or really just let this hit you like a tidal wave and you thought something or felt something. And I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye.